Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Help, walk one. Walk two. Walk back to eight. Engage. 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 T.O. Gray hot. T.O. Gray hot. T. Bell Gray hot. Would you like some tea? Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Earl Grey and Picard. My name is Steven. I'm Dan. And tonight we will be talking about Devil's Due, an episode of Star Trek TNG that does not get mentioned very much, but I think is worthy of discussion. What do you think? I watched this episode twice leading up to the podcast, and I am probably good not watching it again for another... 10 or 12 years probably okay so I would disagree I, I love this episode I could watch it it's, um, it's not a, lot. a bad episode it's not a bad episode at all I, I will not say it's a bad episode because it's not yeah okay. it's, it's a little more TOS a little more original series than mm-hmm. most other episodes of TNG um, it feels like it reads like an episode that was written for TOS but they didn't do it so then they rewrote it for TNG I would almost put money on that being the case which isn't a bad thing because TOS episodes are great, a little more campy and I found this one to be more campy than I remember because I haven't watched it quite some time and I watched it twice in the last couple weeks leading up to this Um, great episode, great Picard episode, uh, great ideas, some some interesting um, theories about about people and culture and, and fear and violence and threats of violence um, but just for personally for me not a fun episode to watch at all okay well I will say I could watch this episode once every three or four months and be perfectly content and enjoy it um, through every viewing but we will talk about that as we uh, go deeper into this episode but first um, let's talk about the beers we're having right now because uh, that is a part of our show so no you start with the one you started with alrighty right yeah um, Okay, so previously, um, before we started recording, I was drinking this uh, 12% beer, 12%, yeah, 12% beer called Hollandia, and um, as a 12%, it's labeled as an extra strong beer, and I had two sips of it and decided I could not drink it. It tastes horrible, and um, Dan, how did you, I gave you a bit of a sample, and I think you described it very very well. I I described it as a beer that a teenager would buy because it's high in alcohol content, it's super cheap, and it'll get them drunk for really cheap. Get them drunk really quickly for really cheap. Exactly. It it doesn't taste bad, it doesn't taste good. now, the aftertaste. It tastes, like a, it tastes like a teenager beer is what it tastes yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. And I, I paid four bucks for it, which is a very low price for a 12% beer. So you're you're right. It's a cheap way to get you out ahead, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm more of a fan of the hoppy, the, yeah, the, the hoppier, bittery beers that are bitter. It doesn't taste good. Yeah. But yeah, point is beer has to taste good. That is basically like my rule when it comes to, say, a movie or a TV show. It has to be entertaining, right? That is like the basic thing. At the very least, it has to entertain me throughout the um, entirety or throughout the majority of, of my viewing, right? And so this beer, you know, uh, horrible, just, just from the starts. Um, yeah, and you didn't even finish that, right? It's no, it's, it's 90% still here. I'm, I'm, so... 
Um, I will review the beer at the end of the episode, but do not expect many Earl Greys to accompany the Hull India beer. You're telling, telling your listeners after that review not to wait with bated breath about the review you're going to give? Is there going to be a secret? <laughs> there's no <laughs> secret. No, no. I will, man, there's a spoiler alert that if you're you know, jonesing to hear our ratings at the end, you know one of them is going to be total garbage. <laughs> um, but okay, currently I'm drinking... I don't know if I've reviewed this before. Dan said you, uh, Dan said that I had I it. I believe so, no. Yeah, okay, so it's called the Hopbot from Hop City Brewing. I'm um, not sure where Hop City is located. It's, it's an Ontario beer, I think. But regardless, um, so it's a 7.1%. Uh, hoppy, just the way I like it. Nice artwork. It's just a robot holding hop. Find it really adorable, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you'll hear my review on that at the end of the episode. But Dan, what are you drinking right now? Or what did you start, actually, with? Uh, I started out drinking, what, about 10 years ago, or longer now, because I'm older than I remember I am. Uh, like 10, 12, 14 years ago was my favorite beer ever. Uh, excuse me, you can only find it in uh, large glass bottles. Uh, it's the... Dead Guy Ale, made by Rogue, which is an American company. Um, 6.8% alcohol. More than a decade ago, it tasted great. Uh, my very refined palate has since decided that the beer, well, quite drinkable, is definitely not one that I'm going to rush out to buy again soon. But I remember back in the day, um, Rogue made bars of soap out of that beer. And I would buy it because it smelled good, tasted good, like like it felt good on my skin. The whole, the whole gamut didn't taste good. That's soap, but <laughs> you know what I mean, right? But I, I not a fan of the soap, are we? <laughs> but it's uh, it just it just yeah, no, it just wasn't my quite my cup of tea. Although I do have to admit, far far better than that Hollandia nonsense that you had. Um, well, wait, wait, do you ever like, just like smell soap or body wash and think you know that might taste good as well? No, no, I mean, never. No, no. Okay. Wondered so, if it would taste good. <laughs> I've wondered if it would taste good, but I, so. I don't know if our listeners know. But I'm looking at Stephen with a <laughs> very quizzical look on my face. Well, you know, I mean, things that generally smell good, you would associate with a good taste as well. But like, I guess, well, you know, in women hindsight, smell good and taste good. Soap not smell true. good, but it doesn't taste doesn't good. Taste good. Do you think you should put that to the test, maybe sometime? You first. Me first. No. <laughs> you get enough beers in me, maybe, but uh, or you char my pants off, maybe I'll see. <laughs> we can go in the shower after it. <laughs> <There you laughs> yeah, that, that'll be the bonus content. Yeah, so uh, we're talking about Patreon. If you want, if, uh, <laughs> there's a that is a nice segue. <laughs> Holy shit, that was good. So um, any uh, anyone who wants to sign up for our Patreon, you can listen to uh, Dan and I going in the shower and eating soap for ten bucks extra a month. You can uh, you can hear that. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Um, I, Jesus Christ! I am uh, right now. I'm drinking a Flying Monkeys beer called Live Transmission. It's a milkshake IPA. It is quite delicious. Six point three percent alcohol. Um, Flying Monkeys. They ninety nine percent of their beers are fantastic. Yep. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to the to finishing this one. And Dan is actually wearing a Flying Monkey shirt again for well, this yeah, true, time. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just wear that shirt every day, or it's just for the, the each podcast. Episode. It hasn't been washed since either. Wow. Yep. So that's where that smell is coming from, eh? I need a shower. Hey, well, see, nice diet, right? You know where to go right now, yeah? <laughs> well, okay, one thing we should do, we might do um, after this episode, is we can post the pictures of these beers that we're drinking. Um, yeah, so, you know, just soul if you have a reference. And I would assume anyone who's listening to this has an interest in beer, you know, because the... 
20% of this podcast is about beer. And um, if they don't have an interest in beer, they shouldn't listen? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying you should fast forward through the first 10 minutes of this uh, oh, each episode gotcha, yeah. to go straight. So, uh, you know, I've noticed on other Star Trek podcasts, they never talk about what the podcast is supposed to be about. So, you know, you have to skip through like 10 or 20 minutes to get to the actual subject matter of that episode. Um, but anyway, so you all know this is about beer and Star Trek. We generally start off with a beer. And, um, but I guess we're done with the beer for this part. We will end the episode, however, with more mentions of beer. Okay, so, um, talking about Devil's Due. Okay, so, I came up with, or I did come up with, with, I, uh, found two different descriptions of this episode that we're just gonna run by all of you, just so you can refresh your memory. Um, the first one is from Memory Alpha. So, um, the episode basically goes like this. The USS Enterprise-D responds to a distress signal from a science station on Ventax 2, where the planet is in chaos over the return of a being who claims to be the culture's devil. And, uh, Dan, you can go with the second one here. Yeah, the second one is from IMDB. Uh, while answering a distress call, Picard finds himself not sure of exactly who he is dealing with, but he's sure he's not dealing with the planet's version of the devil, or so she claims to be. Or as she claims, as she claims to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's yeah. Um, we have the episode playing muted in the background to give us a bit of a reference. We're throwing around the idea of including short clips of uh, some of what we're talking about. I don't know if that would help some of the listeners who maybe haven't watched as much Star Trek as we have. Yeah, um, yeah like we, we sometimes forget that not everyone will remember the episode we're talking about as well as we do because um, we just watched the episode. But and not everyone's going to remember Devil's Due. So hopefully that those two little descriptions jogged your memory. Um, but I really like this episode. Um, I mean, Dan, you have a slightly different take, but I just thought it was a good Picard episode for the same for a similar reason that Measure of a Man was. It's a fascinating procedural drama, and it's campy, it's cheesy, and it's fun. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I guess, a lighter version that of Measure of a Man. You know? More campy and more cheesy than Measure of a Man, by, right? By yeah. far, but like it opens with Data acting, uh, Christmas Carol does a fantastic job. Brent Spiner does a fantastic job playing Brent Spiner, or playing Data, who was playing Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, Scrooge, who was being haunted by the ghost. Um, he looks fantastic with his kerchief and. and Is that what it's uh, called, a kerchief? I believe so. I've never heard that word before. I would, like you mean the, so, the nightcap? Yeah. Can we? Is kerchief the thing that they wipe their mouth with? That's, that's a handkerchief. Maybe a handkerchief. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It's a kerchief, but um. Okay, I know his night. Okay, a, a nightcap is something you drink at night to help you fall asleep. Is yeah. That, okay, so, but a nightcap can only be a little. Can it also be a literal? Nightcap, could it not be? Well, we're talking about Dickensian terminology too, so <laughs> it, it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there, like, he, he, is he wearing a uh, a nightgown? And so, Data, right now. Um, one thing I liked about this episode at the beginning. Oh, and it totally throws me off with this weird pale yellow skin. He's got the white nightcap on, the white pajamas, the white hair, and then that red uh, pajama coat. Yeah. So, uh, dressing gown, yeah, um, but it makes his yellow skin pop like crazy. Oh, it's white skin, right? So oh, yeah, yeah, but it but it looks yellow with all the actual white around him. So so basically, it's an invisible floating red robe is what you see because he's the rest of his. No, 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 like but the white makes his face pop because his face is yellow when it's when it's next to all the white. You think it's yellow? Oh yeah, yeah. his oh, eyes are yellow. Yeah. But like, and so but look, look at his skin though. Look at look at his cheeks and his nose. It's yellow compared to the nightcap and compared to the dressing gown, yeah. or compared to the pajamas. 
but no crew member around Data, um, who's in his pajamas right now, is giving him a second look. You would think that, you know, some people might be laughing or whatnot, but I guess the people of the 24th century, particularly on the Enterprise, are very composed and um, not given to... Well, like, you made a good point. Like, I, I found, uh, like, through all the different Star Treks, uh, the movies, the shows, the different series, uh, when they were having holodeck adventures and they would be walking through the ship or through the station yep. um, wearing the costume of whatever they're going to be play acting in, it always seemed to fit what they were doing. Whereas this one, I really, really noticed that he was wearing 19th century pajamas in the middle of a starship yeah. hallway. Whereas before, like like uh, like in generations when they're wearing the seafaring, yeah. uh, like the navy uniforms, yeah. it was just part of the thing. When uh, when um, oh, what the hell was she? Was she wearing? Uh, Troy was. I forget. I, she was wearing something some some old like Victorian type thing. Like it made sense when Picard in Cupid is walking through the hallway and he's wearing his like tights and stuff. Hmm. Didn't uh, didn't distract me at all. But Data wearing that old Dickensian. Yeah. Those old Dickensian pajamas, holy! It just really pulled me out. And I go, like, oh my god, he's so. I don't know if it's a, if it's because of the era that he's playing or okay. Like, how different do you think people are in the twenty fourth century as opposed to the twenty first century? Do you think they're just generally more composed? I mean, like for example, say I'm on a starship or some ship and I see someone walking around in nineteenth, eighteenth century pajamas. I'll look and maybe laugh, but no one on the starship did that, right? So does it speak to their composure or just the a difference in 24th century personalities? You know, maybe 300 or 400 years from now, we're more stoic, you know? Well, they're a pseudo-military vessel. Yeah. Um, they have more of a... Code of conduct, maybe? Yeah, something like that, maybe. Like they just I don't know, man. I, I, see, a, bizarre, I, I yeah. see a robot in pajamas. That'll get me laughing. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um... But, you know, props to the composure of the 24th century people on Starship, I guess. Um, and, you know, Picard is always helping Data find his humanity. It's another reason why I like the character so much. You know, always, always the... And Picard's probably the best coach for Data for, oh, yeah. you know, on, on humanity because Picard is basically a renaissance man, as I mentioned before, and you could not have a better mentor for humanity, I believe, um, than John Picard. Well, Picard's commented before in the later seasons, I think, about watching Data learn about humanity and try to become more human has made Picard more aware of his own humanity and helped him get in touch with himself and and, and appreciate what he has being human and all that, which I thought was really, really nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, like I thought the, the opener was really good. It, it set the theme for the episode very well, which was basically all about fear. And um, as we watch the episode more, we realize Ardra is essentially a con man, right? And so you're, you're talking about um, Ardra appearing rather than, or like the, the, you're not talking about Data doing the play. No, 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 no. I was just like, Data doing the play, the whole Ebenezer Scrooge thing, you know, it's, it's all about fear and, um, yeah, like help portraying fear properly. Well, the point is, fear is a theme throughout the episode, yeah. right? And Ardra comes in and she scares the the, the whole the, the the populace and is essentially a con man. And um, um, you know, she reminds me of the right wing populace going or that are happening right now, and how Picard can see right through her. You know, I think fear can be used to manipulate the masses. And right now, we're in a time of right wing populism and 
it's because of that I feel that we need a Picard show more than ever where Picard is the voice of reason and we can see completely through the con man game basically and um, I just thought it's a very apt th- uh, and a very apt reason to be uh, watching and debating this episode right now because you know the episodes of cronyism that are happening out there in the world but uh, 30 year old episode still holds uh, relevance today undone yeah thank you um, I also wanted to mention the actress who played Ardra, um, very similar to Q in some ways. You know, I thought she, like, if I hadn't already seen the episode, I thought she could have been Q. Yeah, well, very similar to Q, except for the omnipotence and omniscience and whatnot. Um, she had the same arrogance as Q. The same uh, seeming, disdain, seeming disdain for humanity uh, and, and for, for regular people that, uh, that Q had. Um, but Q always had his power to fall back on and was never really in a position to, to worry about it too much except for that one time. Um, but when he lost his power. You know, I would you like to have seen Ardra again? No, she's a one-trick pony, right? She's like a Ferengi in more human form. Mm-hmm. Um, she tried to hoodwink a bunch of people. It didn't work, and that was that. It may be like a two-parter of the consequences, but uh, TNG is not really known for its serialization. But um, it's weird to me because again, we're watching the episode unmuted while it's playing, while we're talking. Sorry, uh, it's weird to me that Troy didn't pick up on the subterfuge going on for murder. Yeah, she didn't um, mention she, that at one point. She said that she was very hard to read. How convenient, right? <laughs> just when she's needed most, her powers, you know, her powers her. fail. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just lazy writing. I don't know. <laughs> How convenient, right? Um, so, okay, another thing I noticed. Doesn't Picard violate the Prime Directive after the release of the hostages? Because he is technically interfering with the natural course of, of evolution. Is but, he no, 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 not really, because they were asking for help. They were broadcasting outside of their planet for help. Remember, they were there to... Oh, but, sorry, uh, no, as you were saying, yeah, because it was the scientists but, who were studying them well, so like, were asking for help. If they were a warp-capable species, it would be a different matter, ultimately. No, no, so, yeah, so the scientists who were studying them were asking for help, but the people that were studying knew about them, so they were already aware... I think there's your loophole for the Prime Directive. They, the scientists weren't supposed to get involved with the culture, so Picard couldn't get involved with the culture, but the scientists were asking for help, and the... The people that are studying were aware of the scientists, which made them, which gave Picard the loophole to help them and get rid of Ardra. Okay, so if the scientists hadn't been made aware to the public, yeah, then it would be a different story. But but since the populace now knows that there is an outside influence yeah. studying the planet, then it violates the prime directive, or th- then it's uh, yeah, because that, 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 the, the, the like the prime directive doesn't come into play. Uh, exactly, it doesn't come into play. You can get around it because in the beginning, Picard is trying to avoid dealing with the people, the, the population. He just wants the scientists back, yeah. and then he's forced to talk to the uh, like the planet uh, rulers, and he still just wants to get the scientists back, leaving them to their own devices. Yeah. And then gets more involved with the uh, the Ardra character. And maybe maybe they don't show it very well, and I'm just kind of spitballing it off the top of my head while I talk. But I feel like once, like right out of the gate, Picard seems to realize that Ardra is basically just full of shit. Um, I think Matt, that might have been part of what he was sticking around for as well. Yeah. Because she's another. But he's just indulging Lord. himself at that time. Well, right? no, but he thinks she's full of shit. 
So she's, say, technologically comparable to him. So she's a, a peer, um, and she's fucking around with this other culture that's uh, lower status, not as advanced. So now he has to get her out of there, and the only way that he can do that is by dealing with the locals themselves. Maybe that's the other loophole, because their their development is already being interfered with. Yeah. He's got to try and fix it somehow. Prime Directive is a tricky thing. Um, I mean, Kirk played Holy Hell with the Prime Directive. He just ran over it all the time. And, and, um, and in the episode that Drunk had, it was noted that the card had violated the Prime Directive, like, what, seven or ten times? Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And and that's, like, what they go by um, in his, like, file or whatnot. But, like, in the show itself and in the movies, I feel like it was more. See, I'm, I, I just mentioned what I did because this could technically be looked at as the natural course of evolution for these people. You know, like... Getting fucked over by another advanced being? Well, no, like Ardra coming down and uh, ratifying her contract and whatnot. Um, but she's but, Ardra. Yeah, and that's why Picard sticks around, yeah. and that's why he he can quote-unquote interfere with the planet's natural progression, because it's not a natural progression, it's, it's a con man coming in and yeah. trying to... Uh, what rule the planets? You know, so he's doing more humanitarian. Get, well, no, he's doing more to get them back to their natural development than he would by letting Ardra, or the person playing Ardra, um, continue. Right. Right. Okay. So, although I could be later on. Okay. So maybe, well, we can put this out to the listeners too. Did Picard violate the Prime Directive by um, challenging Ardra? If you agree with me, comment on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. A hashtag uh, Dan's right or a hashtag, hashtag Dan's right. If you, <laughs> if you don't think I'm right, if you think Steven's right, don't say anything at all and we'll assume your silence means yes. I mean, if, if I was Picard, I'd probably take her on too because I, I could see right through her BS and. Um, oh, right out of the get go, right? Yeah. Um, there, there's something fishy about her, right? Like, all her powers, the Enterprise could do. You know, like. So I would not be so taken. However, Worf, <laughs> Worf was pretty taken. Like he said, but her powers, sir. So and was it because she turned into Feklar? <laughs> yeah, the Feklar there. Well, okay, and also let's just say the makeup on Feklar was not Feklar. I love that. Yeah, the the, the, the makeup, uh, the design of Feklar, I thought was brilliant. You know, it was, it was it was like Klingon, but like turned up to eleven. Like it was. Well, it was like it was a right demon Klingon, basically. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. I really, really, talking about Feklar, I really, 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 really like seeing Picard turn into Feklar towards the end. That was really cool. That was yeah. fantastic. Do you, think, do you think he really gesticulated like Feklar did in that moment, moving his arms? Waving his arms? You know what? I'd like to think that he did. I like the, it was just a couple. <laughs> you know, like if, if I could magically turn into Feklar, I would do that today, you know? Um, if I could magically turn into the devil, I'd be like, you know, whipping my tail around and doing cool devil shit. Oh, God, I wish you had a tail. That'd be amazing. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so at one point Ardra appears in Picard's quarters and uh, there was a scene before that where Picard instructs Worf or whoever to put the shields up and whatnot. so how does Ardra get through the shields and how does she disrupt communications I mean that's everything else was explained through transporter or holography and all that but to get through the to get through Picard's shields and to disrupt communication, this is, this is nitpicking. I realize that, but uh, that's still pretty well, impressive. I'm not I, sure how she did that. I got thinking about this uh, when I was watching it the second time. So my mind wandered because I didn't care for the episode. <laughs> but 
when she made the Enterprise disappear, she made it disappear because she was so close to them that she was able to extend her cloaking field around them. Now, in... Unless she was inside the shield uh, barrier of the, uh, in, the Enterprise. Uh, uh, was it the book? Star Trek book Federations, I think it was. Federation. Um, Picard had an awesome scenario, an awesome run-in with a couple of Romulan warbirds. Um, and he destroyed one, even though he was completely defenseless and whatnot, because he was within their field, within their uh, shield uh, uh, radius, I believe it was. Um, I, I kind of assumed, just from reading that, that she was able to do what she did because she was so close to the ship already that the mm. shields weren't really much protection. That's possible. She is a cunning one, isn't she? So I would not put anything past her. Yeah, I don't think she's smart. I think she's cunning. I think there's a bit of a difference there. And then that one scene where he's trying to convince Picard to what sleep with her, basically, right? Yeah. And then she comes in with this glowing, permy '80s hair. Oh um, yeah, the hair! Oh my god, the hair was so yeah. Cool. That was it was insane. That was right out of the. It was, that was right at 1985. God Picard damn it. didn't look tempted in the slightest. I mean, I would have looked a bit tempted. Or I, I that's right. He, I would have been tempted. he just but looked at her and just like, nope, I want none of this. Just get out of my quarters. Get, get lost, and I was like, yeah, there you go. I need mean, to stick to your guns, and it was kind of fantastic. Yeah, that shows the strength and, um, yeah, the strength of Picard and, uh, <laughs> you know, the resistance. Good for him. Good for him, you know. Um, I think I would have been a little bit tempted in that moment, but, you know, obviously my captaincy, my career is more important than getting laid by some, uh, by some con man, you know, so, yeah, and then, that awkward moment where she turns into Troy and touches his chest and tries to seduce him like that. And that was weird to watch. That was weird to watch, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know how else to say it. That was weird to watch. I wonder how the actors liked that one, if they felt as awkward as the viewers did watching that. But, just, uh, just out of character for both of them. One, to let Troy touch him, and two, for Troy to touch him. Very bizarre. But like, I, I will say that the actress who played Ardra, I thought she was really good. Oh know? yeah, she did great. She's very over the top, very uh, Loxana Troy-ish. Really, because I mean, I personally dislike Loxana Troy as, as a character. I, um, and, but however, other, I find. however, Ardra, I mean, if if she appeared as a female Q, I think that would be very entertaining. She did remind me of a female Q, obviously. Oh yeah, but, uh, the attitude for sure. The arrogance. Yeah. Um, and okay, well, this is a good moment to segue into the fact that unfortunately, that actress died just in 2018. Um, so she was about 65. She was 65 years old, exactly. And her name um, was Marta Dubois. Um, and she died in 2018 and 14 with brain aneurysm. I had no idea. Um, only 65, unfortunately. That's it's terrible. Um, so she, she did great in this episode. Um, I don't know what else she's been in, uh, but I know Actually, she... Yeah, I'm going to look her up right now. All right, sure. Um, just uh, fill the silence there for a bit. Hang on a second. Marta Dubois. Uh, so, Marta Dubois, uh, she was a Panamanian actress. Um, she was in a lot of TV over the years. She's perhaps best known as the female lead as the homicide detective Roberta Hansen in the McBride franchise of 10 television films. Um, yeah, she died of a brain aneurysm in Los Angeles at age 65. It looks like, I'm doing a quick spin through Wikipedia, 
uh, a lot of uh, she was in the single the single season of television series Tales of the Gold Monkey, uh, which sounds like a TV show that I need to watch. She was on Magnum PI, Hardcastle McCormick, The A Team, LA Law, Silk Stockings, Matlock, uh, she was in a whole pile of TV movies. Oh, she was in the television movie The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. That's <laughs> really Oh, she was in the Luminarias, Luminarias, which I vaguely remember. Uh, some romantic comedy. Um, some L.A. Law episodes, 2010. Yeah, she had quite the uh, story career in, in TV. She was a bit of a um, piece of history, really. Mm. That's too bad. That's interesting. And she died young at 65. Yeah. Hmm. I like... Um, like you've got in your notes there, Stephen, a character argument about the changes on Ventex a thousand years ago mm. being because of uh, Ardra and Picard saying, no, the people of Ventex did that themselves. Exactly. Because they had the wherewithal, the drive, the the willingness to sacrifice and to overcome and to fight through their obstacles and better themselves and all that. And it shows Picard's fairly unwavering belief in the power of the human spirit, like human as kind of the all-encompassing um, term for a, a thinking, sentient being, but his constant, like, never-ending belief in people uh, and, and their strength and drive and their ability to overcome and um, not giving in to evil and the... and all of those little aspects he never gives up on that and that speech that he gives about vent the people of ventax um uh, overcoming all of those previous obstacles and stuff rather than relying on some mythical god or yeah. even just needing to use the idea of a mythical god to goad them into um doing what they needed to do i thought was pretty fantastic yeah and you know, there have been theories out there how the pyramids were created by aliens, right? Yeah. And some could say that that's an offensive theory because it gives, it reduces the credit that is that should be given to mankind for the creation of these pyramids, right? I mean, no, it's it's human beings who created these pyramids. We did not need help by aliens to make these elaborate works of architecture, um, and it's it's, pro it's been proven that you know through a series of pulley systems and genuine human labor that we were able to create these uh, intricate structures thousands and thousands of years ago. So, There's, yeah, still standing today in thousands of years. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, and Picard gives a similar argument, you know, through sheer work and determination, um, the people of Ventax were able to transform their society, um, you know, to something more ecologically sound and economically sound and, you know, turn it around without the help of Ardra even living, or lifting a single finger. So, um, yeah, no, his argument is great. So every time Picard is in a courtroom, he comes up with great arguments. He is a great defender. Um, you know, again, he's that renaissance man that I would love to be, <laughs> that most people should or could aspire, should, yeah, say should aspire to be. Um, yeah. So I love how Captain Picard wins a lot of his battles with words and not weapons. And today, I think in modern TV and movies, we see um, you know more space battles, more epic fight scenes. But I mean, I got more of a thrill seeing Picard win in a courtroom with his intellect and words 
than I did, you know, in many, you know, cheesy CGI filled space battles. Yeah, watching the shootout of the OK Corral kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah he, um, yeah, he has the the presence on the screen, uh, the drama, uh, or the sort of the gravitas, I should say. Yeah. Um, you know that no matter what, his argument, whether he wins or loses, his argument is more than likely going to be right um, at this point in the series um, and at this point in my life like, I, I just accept that but in the, at this point in the series of the show too like you just accept that Picard's going to be right and the few times that he is wrong I mean he admits it, not in this episode that doesn't happen but, but he does admit it which I think is kind of nice too has a human touch to him um, but like, watching, yeah, watching him in the courtroom watching him defend the people of Ventax uh, watching him defend the planet watching him defend his people uh, he's Remarkable in his and how opposite he is from, uh, say, Captain Kirk. It was all physical. It was all about the uh, fight first, swing first, punch first, keep running, do whatever, and then think after. Whereas Picard is very much about think, think, uh, think first, act later, and that you, know, you could tie into kind of a. Uh, um, t- you could talk about say, the state of, of uh, Starfleet. So Starfleet, when Kirk is around, is still a young, new organization, brash, mm-hmm. willing to run out there and do whatever because it's so young, it's so new, it's so fresh. Uh, Picard, much like the Federation, much like Starfleet, is more seasoned, a little slower to, to anger, a little slower to strike, but when he does... A little more sophisticated. A little more sophisticated, exactly, but he's... Well, when, he, when he does... He does it with conviction, he does it with good reason, he does it with uh, panache and purpose. Panache and it's, purpose. Uh, actually, that's a good descriptor for Picard. <laughs> yeah. It has panache and purpose. Yeah, I, just, I really, really like how Picard is portrayed in this episode. Yeah. Even though I don't like this episode, I still like how he's portrayed. How do you think Kirk would have handled this episode? I think he would have slept with Ardra and then fought his way out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he would have like, hit on her, she would have hit on him, it would have been a whole thing. They would have ended up like after the commercial break in bed together. Yeah. Um, it would have been a whole thing. They would have had some kind of talk about how he has to like end her hold on the planet or send her to jail or whatever. They would have had a like a long lingering kiss and yeah. off they go. I much prefer this way. Yeah, me too, me too. Kirk's way is way too easy. Maybe Picard would have fought with her, slept with her, realized who she actually was, and then vaporized her with a phaser or something. Uh, Yeah, Something like that. Maybe not vaporize her with a phaser, but... Or Spock would have figured out how to identify the ship. Yeah, would have... Yeah. Right? It just... Yeah, it wouldn't have been nearly as satisfying. (laughs) But Captain, you you, you slept with her. Um, I guess I did, Mr. Spock. Um... But she's his con man. Oh, oh, how logical of you, Mr. Spock. Yeah, I don't know where. <laughs> yeah, it just, like it never. It, I don't think it would have worked. Like and, I, and like I say, this really feels like a TOS episode. But I don't think it would have been worked as quite as well as it did in Next Generation. Yeah, I thought the same thing. To be honest with you, as I was watching this episode, it did feel very TOS. Um, that being said, it's a fun episode. Um, much like the Cupid episode, which is cheesy and campy. I we talked watch. about doing that one yeah, uh, next. next, but I vetoed that only because it was so <laughs> silly and I didn't know if I could follow this one with that one. Yeah, that's true. No, so, we'll talk about the next episode. We're going to do a little bit later. But I do like two episodes, though. Oh, me too, but... You know, like, I just, I really admire how composed and 
intelligent Picard remains throughout this episode. I mean, like, he puts his immortal soul on the line, and throughout the whole thing, you know, even when it looks like he's about to lose, Picard still keeps his cool, and luckily for him, Jordy comes in at the last second and tells him, we have a cloaked ship. And that, that look on Ardra's face when Jordy walks in, you can tell it's all she's done for. Well, shows, Do you remember that at that little moment on her on her yeah, face? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it shows it shows uh, it shows Picard's um, faith in his crew too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the people that he trusts with his life, because he is literally trusting them in his life. Yeah. Um, and he knows that they're going to come through. It might take them a while, but they'll come through in the end, no matter what. So, do you think Picard is purposely trying to get Ardra to do all these magic tricks in the courtroom near the end of the episode, like in this part while Dad and I are watching, um, just so they can triangulate the Z particle readings? Um, that's part of Picard's strategy is to make her do all these tricks. Yeah, yeah, kind of help identify yeah. where she is. Where that. she is, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, like, <laughs> and fantastic. Um, Isn't so subtly too, you know? But uh, he gets her to do it. He gets her to do it. That one part where he, um, where he, he, uh, he, he starts the crown shaking and then tells her to stop it. Oh, and she's like, oh, I like the tremors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to play that part? Oh, yeah, sure, okay. All right. So we'll just, we're just going to play you a little clip from the episode now. Ardra's magic, if I were to tell you that she has no powers whatsoever. But we have seen her powers here. That's right. And you will again. Oh, yes. Ardra's magic. Jared, would you believe me if I told you that I could steal her powers and perform the same magic acts as she does? I'm sorry, Captain Picard, but you are not Ardra. That's true. I'm not Ardra. But I can create tremors, just as she did. Objection, Your Honor. I think he deserves some leeway. Overruled. But that would be quite enough, Captain. Of course. Ardra, will you do the honors and stop the tremors? Um... Of course. Something better. I like the tremors. Well, I don't. So that is one of our favorite scenes in the episode. Um, worth playing for all of you. Hope you enjoyed it, and hope you. Well, I'm sure you'll remember the episode by now if if you hadn't already. But. Um, yeah, and we just want to give a shout out to Mr. Picard on Twitter, who was the only person who um, suggests or who mentioned one of his favorite things of the episode, which we talked about already, which was the dramatic entrance of Ardra in Picard's bedroom. Okay, I will quote to you exactly what he said. Um, he especially loves, especially Ardra's dramatic '80s wind machine appearance in John Luke's bedroom, and him turning her down in his unique, sassy, and stylishly fabulous way. Also, his famous pajamas appear. A good podcast subject. Those. Thank you for that comments, uh, Mr. Picard. Picard. Yes, <laughs> and anyone else who is a, a subscriber to our podcast or our Twitter feed, please continue to comment and uh, give us suggestions for any other episodes you'd like to cover or the episodes you listen to and uh, we'll be happy to give you a shout out in our podcast Um, I think we're at the 
the uh, episode rating section of the podcast? Yep, okay, sure. How many cups of Earl Grey would you give this episode? Okay, I would give this episode... Um, well, you know what, Dan? I'm going to give it 7.5. Oh, my, it's that high? 7.5? Yes, I really Is like this. Is this out of 10. 100? 10. 10. No, 10. Okay. Maybe 7, but I was going to say 7.25, but I thought that was a little bit too exact. Oh, my God. There's so many ways you're wrong about No, that. no, it's, it's, it's a fun episode, and it's... Um, Picard is again brilliant in the on the wit well witness and as a legislator. What's the term they use? Legislator. Uh, litigator. Lit- litigator. Thank you, litigator. Too many Earl Greys at this point. Jesus Christ, litigator. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it's a good example of him being a Renaissance man. I give this episode. It's Picard heavy, which makes me want to give it. A little bit more than I normally would. The episode overall, I don't particularly care for, although there are very good moments in it. You can't deny that. I've got to go with 3.5. 3.5? Jesus yeah. Christ. Overall, for the episode, Picard, the, for the Picardness of it, easily a 7 or 8. But the episode overall, 3.5. So if we were to average these two ratings out, it would be somewhere around a 5.5. Okay, if you want to go that route, then yeah, but. Yeah, about five and a half, yeah. Five and a half, alright. Alright, and um, I guess we'll have to no, agree to disagree on the, uh, well, yeah, very much on the episodes. Right. Like I say, I, I was more keen to watch this episode before I watched it than after, but I did watch it twice, so okay. credit for that. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I just always like seeing Picard as a prosecutor or defender, um, or in the courtroom in general, so... You know, the gravitas of Patrick Stewart slash Captain Picard in that setting. I just love it every time. Anyway, as for the beers. Um, okay, so as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I was drinking something called a Hollandia, which I did not like. And I am giving this uh, two and a half Earl Grey's out of ten. And then I switched over to the Hop City, which I'm giving a 7.5. I thought it was... A solid beer, uh, nothing great, uh, nothing poor, but uh, something I would drink again. And at a 7.1, it'll get you uh, where you want to go pretty quickly. And uh, Dan, you want to talk about your beers? I uh, started out with the Dead Guy Ale from Rogue. Um, it was good, not as good as I remember, but that might just be my very much more refined palate. <laughs> um, but also, I think I've moved on to kind of slightly heavier beers. Uh, not a bad beer. I'm going to give it. I'm gonna give the dead guy. I'm gonna say five and a half. Um, no, I'll give it a six and a half. So close to the talk all uh, contents. Um, the live transmission, the milkshake IPA from Flying Monkey, I really, really, really quite like. I'm gonna give that one an eight and a half. No, not eight and a half. I'm gonna give that an eight. Um, and then the one I'm drinking right now uh, <laughs> is the Punk IPA, a postmodern classic from Brewdog. Now, all of that I read off the side of the can, uh, 5.6% alcohol, I'm guessing without taking too close a look at it, I'm guessing it's a, an American IPA. Um, I'm going to give it, after the other two, it's decent, I'm going to give it a, uh, I'm going to say a seven and a half. It's really good, definitely worth buying again, but not one that I would uh, choose over anything else. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Um... 
So for the next episode, we're going to be doing Darmok, which is... Darmok Angela at Tanagra. And we need that t-shirt. I have, oh, I have seen the Facebook ads for that oh, t-shirt. Yeah. Um, and Instagram, and everywhere. It's been everywhere. Everywhere. So, you know, if we get that t-shirt, we'll be posting pictures of Dan and I wearing that t-shirt <laughs> on the uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, maybe, who knows, maybe we'll have an Instagram page in the future. I don't know. And if you haven't watched this episode, you should watch this one. Um, if you haven't watched an episode of Star Trek, you should watch this one. Yep. Um, it is a, an odd episode. There's many things I want to talk about with it. I mean, I'm quite looking forward to it because this is one of my favorite episodes. Well, it's funny. Like I, so I've, I was trying to get my dad into Star Trek, and this is the first episode I showed him a uh, year That's ago. That's a hard pull. Well, yeah, so we're on our way to Colorado uh, in October of 2018, and I promised him I would show him an episode of Star Trek TNG. So I had, you know, 170 plus episodes to choose from, and I chose Darmok. And he just thought it was boring. He couldn't get into it. You should have um, done the uh, Cardassian one. Uh, the Four Lights. Uh, uh, the Four Lights one, not, not Unification. No, Chain of Command. Chain of Command, yeah. Yeah. Season five? Season six. six. Season six, yeah. Yeah, we'll be doing that one actually at some point. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's kind of my familial relation with Darmok, is trying to get my dad to like Star Trek, but he, him just thinking it was boring. Shaka um, as the wall. Yeah, Shaka as the wall. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, indeed, Shaka with that one. But um, As the walls fell down. Exactly. You know, maybe we should do that whole episode of Metaphor. What do you think? <laughs> so it'll be completely scripted, and we'll plan it out weeks in advance because there's no way I can make that shit. Okay, well, life. just for anyone who, is, who does not know about Darmok, i.e. Dan's girlfriend, i.e. Dan's sister, um, <laughs> Darmok is an episode where Picard, or where the crew of the Enterprise meet this alien race, and they can't decipher the, their language because they speak a metaphor the whole time. Entirely and, metaphor. Entirely. And it's, so many things to say about that. And it's difficult because we do not know the characters in their mythology, right? So, um, Darmok is a mythical figure uh, who fought with someone else on an island thousands of years ago, right? Jalad. Right? Jalad, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jalad. And obviously, we don't know that history, but to the people of this alien race, Darmok and Jalad are heroes, right? So, anyway, we'll be discussing more of that in the next episode. But. Yeah, no, Dan, I'm, I think we're going to talk that whole episode in metaphor, yeah. so um, oh, yeah. that should be interesting, so tune in for that. I mean, oh. you know, if, if, if you didn't like this episode, you got to tune in for the next one, because, I mean, if you want to hear 45 minutes of podcasting in metaphor, then you're in for a real and treat. You know, maybe that'll be the whole episode, just us <laughs> shouting that in the microphone the whole just time. Just different intonations start the whole thing. Darmok Angelada That'll be the whole episode. So, and uh, oh God, and a couple of mentions of beers and maybe the t-shirts and uh, yeah, you're in for a good one. Uh, you want to do the um, the trailer for? Uh, yeah, we will. We will do that. Um, so before we get to that. Um, Okay, yeah, so before we get to that, uh, we'll probably be doing the next episode in roughly two weeks. So we are recording this on September 9th, and yeah, probably around the 25th, 26th, 27th, we'll have the new episode. But in between that, I'll be going to Yellowstone National Park, which I'm sure everyone who's listening cares a lot about, but I will be there. So if anyone has any tips about what to see and what to do in Yellowstone National Park, let me know as well. And uh, just saying. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, we're gonna play the trailer for Darmok now. A savage kidnapping. You're holding our captain. I want him released. 
and Picard is forced to play a dangerous game of survival. No! Now, there's one way to bring it back alive. It's gonna take me at least a full day to do it. Captain Picard could be dead by then. And it could lead to a full-scale war. Stand by the fire, war. We cannot survive another hit. Deadly encounter on another exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, so that doesn't even begin to come close to describing no. what the episode's about. Like, it, it doesn't touch on anything other than just the barest outline of what that episode is about. Yeah, I mean, from that trailer, I wasn't too keen to see that episode. But it's, it's actually in the top five or top ten of all TNG episodes. So Yeah, by fans overall, yeah. It's easily in the top ten for me as well. Definitely. And there is one episode we'll be doing in a couple of weeks' time that is probably number one or number two. Um, of old times, so you know. Which one are you talking about? Oh, well, I'm not going to spoil it right now, but uh, we'll talk about that after we uh, hit the stop button on this podcast. <laughs> um, but that is hopefully an, an enticement for everyone to keep listening. I appreciate the listenership. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, um, please feel free to talk to us on Twitter at uh, Earl Gray, at Earl Gray and Picard. Um, Facebook, same again, Earl Gray and Picard. Um, I believe we have our email list on the Facebook page. If you want to send us an email, yeah. What is uh, the Earl Gray and Picard at Gmail? Was I it? believe so. Yeah. Okay. So Earl Gray and Picard at Gmail Correct. I believe so. Yeah. It's, it's on the it's on the Facebook page. Yep. Um, but a few, a few people have reached out, um, wondering about making donations. Uh, we hadn't really thought about that, but something we're looking into now. It's been some interest. Um, maybe a button on the Facebook page or Patreon, something like that. Uh, but as we get more information together about that, we'll let you know. Um, for everybody else, please be patient. We're kind of new to this and learning as we go, but we're having fun with it, and we hope you are too. Yeah, and so every time you make a little donation, if you choose to do that, you're paying for our beers. <laughs> and so, And if ever you want us to drink any beer on our podcast, you just let us know. We will drink it. We will review it. Uh, we will give it a thorough review. And um, we'll One give you a request, make it a good beer. Make it a good beer. That's all we ask. Yes. No Coors Lights, no Miller <laughs> Draft, no Budweiser. Make it something special to you. And um, if we can't find it locally, tell us how we can get it. Because we're beer. Would you say we're beer connoisseurs? Yeah, beer aficionados. Beer aficionados. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We are beer, beer aficionados and. Uh, we're always excited to try new beers, that's for sure. So let us know. And, right. uh, I appreciate the, uh, the listening uh, for, the, for the end of the podcast. I'll say I'm Dan. And I'm Stephen. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you next week.